Today, we celebrate a milestone episode with a special guest. I'm Matt Murray, Executive Editor of Business NH Magazine. I'm Christine Kerrigan, Co-Publisher and Chief Creative Officer for Business New Hampshire Magazine and Granite Media Group. And if you don't know it by now, I'm Nathan Carroll, and welcome to the 100th episode of BizCast NH. Totally anticlimactic without the music. <laughs> it's all right. I know, I know, I know it's, it's going to sound good. He's going to dub in a whole bunch of screaming and all oh, that, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. And um, it's our 100th episode. The gang's all here. Everybody knows that. Mike, of course, has no choice. But Christine does, and she's joining us too. And have we got a show for you. We're not only going to learn a little bit about our guest and his career, but... We're probably going to have a few laughs as well. So um, we're going to jump right into it because no time to waste with multiple appearances on The Tonight Show, one-hour specials on Comedy Central and Amazon Prime, including Parentally Challenged and On Midlife Support. He is at the top of his game. He was born in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, grew up living on the border of New Hampshire and Maine in the late 1990s. After spending seven years as a deputy sheriff in rural Maine, he traded his gun for a microphone and moved to New York City to pursue a career in comedy. He quickly became a regular at Comic Strip Live, Stand Up New York, Dangerfields, Gotham's Comedy Club, Caroline's on Broadway, and the New York Times called him destined for stardom. He would go on to sign sitcom development deals with Warner Brothers, CBS, IFC, and Comedy Central. He has appeared several times on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and Conan O'Brien, as well as Showtime specials with Rob Gronkowski. Twice, he's performed at the TD Garden with Dennis Leary's Comics Come Home. His TV and movie credits include The King of Queens, 100 Center Street, The Zookeeper, and Here Comes the Boom. He's appeared on numerous Comedy Central shows, including his half-hour Comedy Central Presents and his own one-hour special, Justin McKinney, A Middle-Class Hole. See what he did there? His fifth stand-up special, Justin McKinney, On the Bright Side, you can currently see for free on his YouTube channel. Living in New Hampshire with his wife and kids, when not dadding, he is touring theaters and clubs all over the country. That's right, folks. It is Justin McKinney. Justin, welcome. Woohoo! Yeah. Wow! Thanks. I did not know you were going to read that whole of bio. Of course, I, I thought you were just using the bio as you know, pick some questions. No. Uh, what about this? You actually read the whole thing. The whole Man, thing. That was yeah. hard to. I have a for really me. bad. <laughs> I hope you guys are all right with that. Really, really bad habit that of was, reading like way yeah. too much. But in the hundredth episode, kind of have to. Well, right? you know and what? It's you. And speaking of the hundredth episode, yeah. you know, in show business, if you you know, are on a TV show and you get to the 100th episode, mm-hmm. that's like a big milestone. That's syndication. It is life-changing. Now, that didn't happen for me, but being on the 100th episode of this is like the next best thing. See? <laughs> See? Syndication yeah. is and next so you, you know what I mean? You brought the syndication I mean, hey, contract yeah, look, and all that stuff Life today, is right? a trade-off. We all make our decisions. Things happen. Things don't. And, you know, and I talk about, I was in, you know, Los Angeles and New York in yeah. the early 2000s. Uh-huh. That's how I got on The Tonight Show and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And, you know, New York Times did the story about, uh, you know, comedy, the scene in New York City and, and said I was destined for stardom. And that was, and then in 2006, my wife was like, hey, instead of New York, New York, how about New Market, New Hampshire? That'll take uh, your career to another level. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I'm in Amherst right now behind a gold house in a red barn with this guy, Michael, I just met. Yeah, he's um, lovely, by the way. And uh, yeah, and, but everything happens for a reason. Right, right. There's a but, reason you know, I'm here. You, maybe you were destined for stardom, but... Destined for Amherst. Something Something happened. What's wrong with that? There you go. But still, I mean, uh, I enjoy uh, your comedy, and obviously, you're taking a lighthearted approach. I've got to. You've got to. Yes. But the fact is, you have built a really successful comedy career, and done it from New Hampshire, which very few people have done. And so, I can't wait to delve into this with you. But let you know before you are. A native son. So, uh, what were you like growing up? 
Well, I mean, growing up was a, it was a, you know, a little bit of a dysfunctional family. I mean, I, on my special on the bright side, I talked about that happened. I don't know if I could tell that story. You can um, tell any story but, you want, um, man. Hundredth episode. But yes, yeah, so you know, born in Portsmouth, went to Little Harbor Elementary School in Portsmouth, New woo, Hampshire. Woo. Shout out, and yeah. yeah, Little Harbor still there. Still, Excellent. it doesn't look like they've changed anything at all. Um, and. Uh, so my mom passed away when I was six years old, and then my mom's sister uh, ended up moving in to help take care of us kids, apparently. And as I mentioned, I, she ended up in a relationship with my dad, so they were sleeping together in the same bed. Um, and, uh, and she brought two of her kids. And uh, so in this one house in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, there was a dad and aunt two cousins and four brothers, and that's when they said we really should be in Maine. And <laughs> we packed up the U-Haul when I got out of sixth grade and moved right over the line. It was the first house on the left, by the way. Uh-huh. If you went over the high-rise bridge, the Piscataqua River 95, it was that first house. If you threw a rock off, it was that first one on the left. Um, and it was literally south of the Welcome to Maine sign. So it never really felt like we were in Maine. I mean, we were, there was a river and a bridge, and it was New Hampshire. And in that time, when you grew up in... Kittery, Maine, you were really in Portsmouth because the supermarket was in Portsmouth and the mall was in Portsmouth and the movie theater was in Portsmouth. So you were in Portsmouth all the time. So I always felt like I've been from New Hampshire, even though I was right over the line, um, you know, from junior high and high school. But uh, and then I've been back in New Hampshire since 2006. But but growing up, um, my dad was an alcoholic. Um, he was homeless actually for many years, but now for a decade, but he's been sober now. I think it'll be 17 years. My dad is 81. He's been sober for seven. So it's a great story. But, um, so when you ask what growing up was like, I mean, it was, you know, we had my brothers and my cousins and we were kind of, we were really close because of our situation. Um, and out of all that came, uh, probably why I got into comedy. I was going to say, how did that shape you? I mean, you know, was, did that start as a coping mechanism I think for you? It, I think so. I mean, I think you definitely, because when I get together with my brothers, and, and even now, you know, we get with my dad and we talk about growing up and, you know, whether it's, you know, the basement would be flooded. We had rats running across the, the, the living room floor. I mean, we had, you know, the heat would get shut out. You know, just being freezing, no heat, you know, and we're all laughing. Me and my brothers are laughing back and forth. And then my dad just stops us and goes, uh, well, let me just say this. And we all stop to listen to what my dad has to say. And he goes, it wasn't as bad as it was. <laughs> you know, and then we just laugh dadism, again. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so look. I was lucky in that, you know, you know, I wasn't uh, physically abused or, you know, any of that stuff. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot worse situations that people come out of. So, But still, that was a lot it, to handle it was, as a kid. At that age, yeah. I mean, my dad threw a brick through the bank when I was in junior high in broad daylight in his underwear because he they didn't give him a loan. He, he like, ran, flew out of the house, uh, you know, ran down the stairs in his underwear gets in the car, peels out. And then my buddy, Alan, who lived across the street from this bank, called me up and he's like, um, uh, hey, is your dad home? And I and I knew he wasn't because I saw him run out. And I'm thinking my, you know, my, you know, my stomach just dropped. Yeah. And I'm like, um, I don't know why. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I think I just saw him throw a brick through the bank. Oh, Could you imagine? It, like in his underwear. Like this is yeah. the call I'm getting in junior high. And then, and you know, that didn't like, get well, them to reconsider, huh? No, that doesn't work usually. <laughs> no. Mm. And then I said, uh, I said he did say he had some errands to run. Was you know, was my you know, was my. Uh, but so that was you know, I mean that kind of stuff. So how do you deal with that kind of? So you know, you don't want when when you're living with that, you don't want your friends to know. You don't want um, you know people to find out. Mm. So when he called me, my friend Al, I mean, I was horrified because you know. But then there was other times. You know, my dad he drove through the garage door on the way to take my little brother and cousin to school because they'd called the police on the dog so he smashed right through and then they and then they drop he drops him off at school i mean that kind of stuff for a kid and now living with my kids i have a 16 and a 13 year old now to think of like they have no concept i mean mom and dad are together and there's no drink you know what i mean yeah. we're not we're not right. drunk every they're night in a we're not safe fighting place. they're yeah and yeah. they just have no concept and i love watching uh, them grow up now in this environment, but it's what I would have wanted. But, you know, right. so it all, uh, look, I don't say everything happens for a reason. My wife loves that phrase, everything happens for a reason. I think it makes people feel better. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it was, uh, it was crazy. But there was a lot of, you know, 
overall, I mean, I, th- I thought we got through it pretty good. My brothers are all doing well. My cousins are doing well. That's good to hear. But, I mean, so much of your comedy is very personal. Um, and through your comedy, you know, you kind of feel like you learn the evolution of your life, your, your, your kids and your, your, your marriage and, uh, and, um, and, you know, now you're growing up and when you revisit those to try and come up with the comedy in it, how, how do you process that to take things that were so hard to go through and find things that will make people laugh? Well, I think anything I look back at, it doesn't, I mean, and I will do that. I'll literally sit and go, oh, yeah, I didn't, you know, the the joke on my special on the bright side about the nurse's office, that happened because I really got a call from my kid's school, from the nurse, saying, hey, we got Jack at the nurse's office here. Um, and I'm immediately thinking, is he sick? You know, is he, what's wrong with him? And he goes, he spilt some milk on his pants. And I'm, so my brain's going, hmm, that's weird. But she wants to know if you'll bring him another pair of pants. And that immediately triggers something where if I was doing, said that to my dad, and I reminded about my dad treating the school nurse like a telemarketer. You know what I mean? So then that whole bit. So I take that memory, but that joke is only th- three or four years old. Three or four years ago, I wrote that joke because that's when it happened to my kid, and then I tie it to when I was growing up. Yeah. You know, one of my big jokes on Comedy Central, my Comedy Central half hour uh, was actually it was Premium Blend. Comedy Central, one of my first TV sets was in the late 90s called a, a show called Premium Blend, was about school picture day. And the way I remembered the school picture day was um, you knew who the rich kid was on school picture day because they'd be right up at the front of the line, you know, packet A, you know, with like 15, <laughs> 10 by 12s, 32, 5 by 7s, you know, six <sighs> posters, like 200 wallet size. And I, and I would say, you know, I was way back at the end of, I wasn't even standing in the school anymore. I go, it was packet Q. <laughs> I go, it was like one picture, and I'd say it was a Polaroid of the rich kid. Like, that was one of my first <laughs> bits I did, and that came well from. So, the, and, and, the, and the interesting thing about that was there was an interesting dynamic growing up because my cousin still had his dad. So, he would get a lot of things that we didn't get because he had the dad and the bum, you know? So, a lot of my stuff would come from that. Like, he, he got the packet A. So, he's in the same house. He's getting the big packet, and we're at the end of the line. You know what I mean? So it really, not only am I watching the other kids, but in some cases, that was him. You know, he'd come home skiing. You know, big bit I do about skiing. This is an old bit of mine. I, I think it was on my 2012 special on midlife support. But um, he uh, he would come back with the ski, the new ski coat with all the lift tickets still dangling off the zipper. <laughs> so big, you know, and, cool and my kid. friends and my friends as well. But they're all it's like rubbing it in. All the kids that never get you think about you never go skiing. It's too expensive. You don't go skiing. So then that became a whole joke. So it's just taking where the funny is. But I'm still mining my past today, and you know, new stuff I'm working on in the last few months. You know, my grandfather was a milkman in Derry, New Hampshire, McKinney's Dairy Farm. I have the bottle. It's right here in Derry, New Hampshire. And But it was this whole idea of, you know, your family's dysfunctional when your grandfather was the milkman. (laughs) You know? So now I'm making this whole bit about my grandfather being the milkman, which isn't, you know, it's just so... I do sit, I think about stuff, something will happen, it will make me think of something. So it's just a whole process that never ends because in order to make a living here and have a career here, as you alluded to, I got to always have new material, right? So I always have to, so, you know, people that just saw me at the palace, uh, just my most recent October date in the palace, if they came a year before, I think I repeated one or two jokes from a a year later. Um, I try to, you know, I can't always be that, you know, do that that much turnover, but I turn over 90%. You know I mean? If you see me year over year at the same venue, I try to make it so it's 90% a different show. So if you bring people, you're not going to see all the same stuff. So to do that, it's a combination of observing what's happening in the world and what my kids are doing. And, you know, he just got his driver's license two weeks ago. So boom, you know, there's, I joke about that, you know? So, um, yeah, so it just, my mind never shuts off really. Um, unless I'm, you know, watching the football game or just want to chill out. And that's why it always gets me when, you know, I'll be, 
when I'll be hanging out with people, they expect me to perform and be funny when I'm not working. I'm like, right. all day I'm thinking about stuff. <laughs> I want to sit and have a beer and watch the Patriots game, you know? Or do you these days? Well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a tough subject because uh, I got a Mac Jones signed autograph helmet. Uh, like I bought it this rookie year and that thing has dropped in value. And <laughs> anyone would like to make me an offer right now, I'll take a, a Duncan no. gift card. $50 yeah. Right. Gift card. yeah. Got a so, box of donuts yeah. for you. And well, my philosophy for getting the helmet was because, um, you know, we always worry about our kids and what they're going to get into. So you monitor online the search history and see what they're, you know, what they're looking at. And uh, I found out my youngest is a Chiefs fan. So he, he came out as a Chiefs fan. So he likes Patrick Mahomes. So I have to deal with that now that he's, you know, we had 20 years of Brady and Super Bowls. <laughs> and now I got to deal with this kid right in my house um, <laughs> who likes the Chiefs. He wants me to take him to the Chiefs to play in the Pats on Monday night this year. Oh. And I'm like, how am I that good of a dad that I can sit there and watch his team <laughs> kick my team's butt? Like, like, can I do that? I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. Um, but that's why there got, are lines. There are what? Yeah, there lines to draw. Yes, of course. That's why I got the Mac Jones helmet because I got it because that's his inheritance. I go, that's part of your, you know what I mean? So the more that helmet is worth, the more money you're going to get. So I have to, so you better want Mac Jones to do well, you know? So I love it. Oh my God. Uh, so earlier in your life, you were in law enforcement. Yeah. Um, the, what is the, the, turning point or the point in which you said nope i guess even the rest of the story as it were that you go from law enforcement to deciding to move to new york city is that you had been had you been um you know trying your trying your luck with with comedy and and it, it you thought okay i can make something of this or just, what was that process of going from being in law enforcement to just doing something completely different yeah i think it's you know everyone's life you're always like you're you're wondering what do you want to do when you grow up and and mm. you know i was actually in um junior high when i first think i thought of wanting to be a comedian you know that was the first time that popped into my head but cool. then it's like well how do you even do that but it was right. always something thinking funny was always something that i knew that um uh, the way my mind worked and my dad would sit up and watch carson johnny carson the tonight show with carson and um I could remember seeing him do monologue jokes and I could remember thinking, oh, that's what I had that same thought or I was thinking that or that's how I would think of, you know, so I knew my mind was always in that, uh, you know, worked in that way. But how do you really pursue that? And so I didn't really think much about it. And then when I got up into high school, I didn't even know that I wanted to um, get into law enforcement. My intention was, and, and by the way, uh, you know, my whole family, like, you know, hated cops, you know, they'd come over and my dad and, you know, mm, right. you'd have to arrest him. They'd chase him. They'd have to raise the drawbridge in Portsmouth so he couldn't escape. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? It was like a whole scene, right? right. So, yeah. um, but I always uh, respected the police and I always, when they would come, I would let them in the house one time because the dog uh, was loose. So they just came in to tell us to get the dog, you know? So I was talking to this nice policeman and still remembered as a little boy. And, uh, you know, he was just very nice to me and I'm asking him questions and he's talking to me and my dad you know, comes running down the stairs, get the out of the house, you know, and like wow. just in the poor cop, like was like backpedaling, like scared, like, you know, this crazy, you know what I mean? And, and I right. remember as a little boy, I remember thinking, oh, what my, this guy did, you know what I mean? This, my dad was the one that was wrong, was wrong there. I remember realizing that at a young age. And so, but anyway, that being said, um, I was going to maybe be a private investigator. So I asked the guidance counselor to set up a job shadow with a private investigator. And she's like, oh, I couldn't find a private investigator, but we found this um, uh, police officer in Kittery, Maine. They'll let you go out and you can do like a ride along. Mm. And she set it up. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do it. And yeah, from that moment on, when I got out of the, after that ride along, that's when I was like, wow, I, you know, this is something that I think I could do. And, you know, it was all about making a difference and, you know, yep. growing up the way I grew up and trying to, it was, I saw it as protection and serving and, you know, all, all, all the right reasons, you know, that uh, I think most people get into law enforcement for the right reasons. Um, that's what drew me to that. And then, so as I was doing that, um, you know, in the back of my mind, there was just something I always wanted to do was try comedy. And I'm like, well, when can, you know, if I'm going to do it, I better do it in my 20s. 
taught the DARE program, so I was in working in the schools with kids. I loved that, you know, talking with kids, and, you know, I would make the kids laugh sometimes if I said something, you know, and it was just this little bug, so I just got the courage in the, you know, in my early 20s to go do an open mic down in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, and that was kind of the start of it. How do you think your comedy instincts helped you during your career as a police officer. I mean, you had to have run into some situations. And And not only to help me huge, but the, the the ability to deescalate and to do that um, through humor, through, you know, not being so serious. And look, here's the other thing where I was an officer, there was two cops for 500 square miles in 14 towns on at any one time, rural patrol in Maine. It was, we each had seven towns a piece. You didn't have backup really for a while. So, you knew you didn't want to fight or get attacked or assaulted. I mean, you had to do whatever you could do to calm down the situation. It's a, probably a different mentality than a city when you know you've got six people with you, you know, right behind you. So you kind of learned that. But I would use um, – I used comedy quite often. And, and, and you know – I can remember when I started stand up. I was still I was still on the force at the time when I was doing. I was going to Portland, Maine, and doing sets. And I was at a domestic call, and uh, I'm I'm talking to the two, trying to you know get them to settle down and you know work things out. And the guy just goes, "Did I did were you at the comedy connection last week?" <laughs> and he like recognized me, and I go, "Yeah, that was me." So so anyway, I'm like, "Yeah, if you guys can get along, I'll give you tickets to my next show." You know, um, but. Uh, but yeah, it was something that I would uh, I would use for sure. What was it like to balance the two? You know, when you're trying to start a career, and you you know, so you got the one career where you're trying to make people laugh, and you have the other career where you're trying to protect them. Um, I mean, that's a lot to balance all at once in terms of when you're doing comedy gigs, when you're going to be on, you know on patrol. Well, balance it. I mean, a lot of my stuff, early stuff I did was about being a cop. That was yeah. a lot of my material. You know, mm-hmm. as I you know, it was a lot about. Um, you know, it was, like I said, it was 14 towns, 500 square miles. There were two cops and my backup was a day and a half away. You know, I had a bit where I uh, had a woman having a baby. I had to respond and help deliver the baby. By the time I got there, the kid answered the door. <laughs> you know, that was one of my, oh my you know, it was a lot of that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, you know, things would happen. And I had, you know, people will still come to shows and ask me to do stories, those old jokes, which... They all happened to me, so I remember, remember most of them. Yeah. But I mean, it's funny with everything going on now. It's like I was defunded before it was ever a thing. I mean, <laughs> oh you know, God, before just... I mean, we had, you know, it would be hard to solve crime. Like you know, if someone's house got broken into, you would, you know, I would show up. I was, we were like a uniform detective. You'd have to take the pictures and you'd have to take the prints and you'd have to do it. Then you'd have to go find the interview witnesses and the suspects. You were doing it all while you're handling seven towns answering calls. Mm. I mean, it was hard to solve crime with the, that you know lack of uh, manpower, so to speak. So they'd be like, what are the odds of you catching this guy? And I'd be like, uh, I'd say if he turned himself in 50-50. I mean, it's not looking good. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, so um, yeah, that was kind of, you know, once I had it in my mind that I think I wanted to do it, and I took a, le- a, a year leave of absence because I didn't know if I would go back. Yeah, mm. Wanted to keep my certification. And, um, and look, I loved the job in the sense of where I was doing it. You know, there was a re, you, the community respected you, which is huge. Yep. Um, and I can honestly say that almost every cop I know is a is a great person. You know what I mean? Once yeah. in a while, you get the, you know, you get a, a d bag that shouldn't be a shouldn't be a cop, maybe whatever. And all the other cops would would not want this such and such a person to be a cop. Like there's certain people you be oh good they didn't get hired or they shouldn't get hired. I had to mm. beat out a hundred people. When wow. I got hired, a hundred people for my job, huh. and to think now, no one's even applying. Like right. they're getting, they'll have five, six openings at some of these departments. They'll get three applicants, you know. So what is that doing for? So we, you know, not to get drag this into a serious nature, but you know, I don't think we've gotten rid of good co- uh, bad cops. Rather, we've gotten rid of good cops, you know. Mm. So as a, I worry about our country and where we're heading there, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people I know have got out of it or they left or, you know, it's, it's a tough, ch- so we're in a tough spot there. But, um, but look, I'm just trying to make people laugh now. Yeah. So <laughs> it was a passion. It was a passion and you followed it, which I think is very admirable. A lot of people won't do that. So I think that's an excellent thing to do. Um, I have a question just to, uh, so you're still here living in New Hampshire. You're running your career here from New Hampshire. 
I feel like there's something in the water in New Hampshire because we tend to churn out a lot of national comedians. And uh, any insight on that? What's what's happening up here in the Northeast that's that's making us all really funny? <laughs> I don't know. And obviously, you're probably alluding to like Adam Sandler and Seth Meyers and Sarah Silverman, which is which you know I the uh, the papers and have done stories where they've included me and, and named me within that group, which is an honor to be put with that group. Yeah. Um, but as I, you know, the one thing they all have in common is they all, they didn't come back to New Hampshire. Like they all got their break in New York or LA. So don't think I'm not aware that in 06, when I came back here, if I just stuck it out a little bit longer and look, I always wanted to come back here to raise a family. That was important to me. And, but my kids and, and my wife and I were like, I, we kind of had an agreement. Well, let's wait until before the kids start school, I'd want to be back here. We'll cut to, we were back here before we even had a kid yet. So, but I always would have come back here, but I would have waited another five or six years. And my wife brought up a very good point. She said, well, if we did that, we wouldn't have had the kids. And I was like, well, we still could have had kids. She's like, yeah, but they wouldn't have been these kids. And I was like, and? Maybe they'd be better than these kids. Like, why do you have to be so pessimistic? I mean, no offense. I posted on my social media yesterday, my one kid, he's 16, and he leaves a post-it note on the floor in the hallway, wake me up at 10. And I'm like, the kid can't even set an alarm. My 13-year-old can't tie his shoes right now. I'm like, you're going to have your license and not be able to tie your shoes. You're like, guys, I'll be the designated driver, but can someone get these for me? You know what I mean? So anyway, but... But uh, but yeah, no, I don't know. I think it, there are a lot of uh, a lot of talent in this area, and even um, you know, uh, even Jimmy Dunn, who's a buddy of mine, is oh, yeah. uh, is doing great, and he's he's here, and um, yeah. So it's uh, there, there's a lot of talent here, and and it, and I encourage people to go to whatever comedy shows you want to go to because there's a the, the scene is 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 booming, and there's a lot of funny people out there. I don't watch any comedy now. People are always like, well, who do you like? Who do you watch now? Because I have to write so much stuff, yeah. mm. I don't want any. I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to accidentally pick something up. Yeah, I do a um, an open mic every week. I go to this open mic, and I don't sit in the room and watch anybody. I go out on the there's a there's a deck out there, so I go outside and just hang out because I don't even want to pick anything up or hear anything. I want to know that it came from me, and right. I didn't, you know. And and I think that can happen unintentionally sometimes, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who leaves my family. I'll drive 45 minutes an hour to just go try some new bits somewhere. So at leaving my, to think that I could do this and work on a bit and get the joke where I want it and to think that somebody would hear it and then take my joke mm. or, you know what I mean? It's, it kills me. Like, you know, so I never want to do that to anybody. So, yeah. And there's um, been a lot of instances that have come up with that of comedians saying, hey, th- you took my bit. And my, sometimes my it's parallel material. thinking. And it is yeah. parallel thinking a lot. But um, to think it, uh, you know, and there was a, like I said, it was 2004 was the last time when I sit, and, and it happened because I um, I was getting ready to do my second Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and I stopped in Atlantic City to run my set, it's just my five-minute set. And when I got off stage, um, a comedian who's one of the best, I don't need to name him, mm. uh, highly respected, would never intentionally pick up anything at all, would never take anything, rather, never intentionally take anything. Um, gave me an idea for a tag. Hey, maybe you could do this. And I didn't end up doing it. But long story short, like a year later, my buddy was out in Vegas working with this person. He goes, do you know this person? I go, yeah. And he goes, he just did your, this bit word for word. Like this, so my, but it hit me that I know they didn't mean to, they didn't mm-hmm. realize, but I just came in one time there, you know, maybe having a drink, you're doing this, you don't realize. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're doing what I was talking about and you thought that you came up with it. Right, so, yeah. it infiltrates. I, it, yeah, it, but there's no way anyone would have, wouldn't have purposely done that. So that's yeah. when I said, you know what, I don't want to, like, Curb Your Enthusiasm was one of my favorite shows. I can't, I haven't watched it past like season <laughs> one. When I, when I, retire i'm gonna like binge that show <laughs> yeah because i so much comedy you're gonna because watch. i'd be watching that show and all of a sudden he's doing larry david would do something like oh i was working on a bit like this where's this going you know where's yep. this going so it's just a matter of um keeping my um you know my mind just open and just knowing it comes through it just makes me feel yeah it's how i sleep at night um but uh what um well you you so you've talked about uh you know kind of doing shows around the area are you doing just kind of shows exclusively in new hampshire at this point at different places or are you doing anything you know new york boston nationally or mostly just around home and, and i mean throughout the state 
you know, this business, like any business, and I know this is a business podcast, it's networking, it's mm. contacts, it's who you know. I don't care what field you're in. So not being in New York and LA for every year, it seems like I've gotten further and further away from the loop. I guess we could call it the loop, yep. right? Yep. So many things happen because of, oh, you're hanging out with this person and then they know this person and they, so mm. much of that happens. So, um, I'm starting to go back to New York a little bit. I'm actually, I've got, uh, in a couple weeks, I've got, um, I'm doing five shows, just, you know, showcase shows, weekends, Comic Strip Alive and Gotham Comedy Club. I'm going back into New York. I'm going to start doing that every two, three months. Nice. Just to kind of get back in there. But I go to, you know, I'll do, uh, I just did a club in Detroit. I did a weekend in Detroit. So my agent, I still have an agent in Los Angeles, a booking agent. So a lot of national stuff, he'll say, hey, can you go? But a lot of them are, when I leave New Hampshire, it's not as much as the theaters. It's more like clubs. You'll come in on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then I'm missing kids stuff. So a lot of times I don't want to take it. I don't want to miss my kid's soccer game. I don't want to miss, he just said homecoming. I don't want to miss, you mm. know, when you, they were younger, I didn't want to miss, you don't want to miss Halloween, like that with the Halloween parties. The So I really have been almost like a stay-at-home dad while, you know, I bring him to school every day because that's another thing. My kids don't take the bus. My spoiled kids don't take the bus. <laughs> They're like, Dad, we don't want to take, we don't like to take the bus. I'm like, why not? Because it doesn't go right to school. I go, what are you talking about? They're like, it makes stops. Yeah, no uh -huh. kidding. That's a bus. Uh -huh. Sorry, don't you have an express bus to take you to school every day. But that's a, you know. Um, but, so. um, but yeah, so I still do, uh, and when my kids get a little older, I'll even venture out more, but I mean, I kind of get away from a lot of the, I haven't auditioned for anything in forever. You know, early on I had some TV credits and I would audition and I just haven't done any of that. So I really have shifted. Uh, my life is really, you know, I 80% about my kids and my family and then maybe 20% about my job right now. So I'm trying to balance that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was just in Florida recently. So I go, but I think I got on a plane three times this year, you know? So, and, and then my, you know, and my wife is just as spoiled as my kids. I mean, I worked Aruba two years ago, but I worked and then we got the vacation, but now it's like, you know, when you work, you know, you're, you know, you're thinking about your show all day and you blah. So we're going to Aruba next year and I'm not going to work. So I'm just <laughs> nice. going to, we're just going to go for family vacation. Nice. So. Nice. Um, you mentioned earlier you have an agent in LA still. Do you have, I was surprised actually that um, it was so easy to be in touch with you. And you know, your, your email is even, I think on your website, don't everybody spam Justin, please do not do that. Um, but are there, are besides your agent, are there others that are working with you? I mean, taking care of certain things when you, when you have a national opportunity or were there earlier on? What was, what was that like? Yeah. Early on, it was, like I said, when I was living there, um, it was, uh, you know, when I say this agent now, I mean, I don't know where I am on the priority list. I mean, I think, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, you know, because I'm not there anymore and I turned down so much. Mm -hmm. So when, you know, when someone calls you, you know, five times and four times you say, no, nah, I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. You know, it's a little bit of that too. Um, but no, just that's all I have. And he's a, he, he's not a television agent. He's just a public appearance agent. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's that. And then, so mostly it's, uh, you know, it's all done, uh, locally here. I don't have much of a, you know, I have like a website guy and a social media guy that cool. cl cuts up my clips. Now I have a social media company. They're out of like Georgia. Um, but, um, but yeah. So on the lines of social media, um, you know, everything is online now. Everything, people want things for free. What? How did you make that decision? I know you just uh, put your most recent special on YouTube. Um, and it's that decision of, do I offer some things for free in order to gain a larger audience? What is your kind of thought process on the whole social media thing and how that affects your career? Well, I've had... Here again, being out of the loop like I am. Early on, I had, I had a special on Comedy Central, one-hour special there that actually went to Netflix back in like 2011 when Netflix was first started. Um, they self-produced some. Some went to Amazon Prime. I've had specials. Um, so it wasn't like I had Netflix saying, hey, we'll give you a million dollars for your special. Because here again, I'm like, I'm kind of out of that loop. You know, that whole Netflix loop. Like it's like right. you're in that circle. It's a little bit of clubby. It's a little bit. Mm. So... My on the bright side, so many people message me, how come this ain't on Netflix? How come this, on, this is as good as anything on Netflix? It's like, that's the frustration, frustrating part of me being back here. But it's like the idea of putting it out on YouTube, for one, some people don't have Prime. They don't see it. So you get more eyes. But the, and the way you think of monetizing that is 
people coming to my shows. Oh, we saw your special. But they have to know that if they come to my show, they're not going to see that show. Right. You know what I mean? So, so it's getting the word out there. But it's funny when you say for free, I think today or if not yesterday, someone comments on – because I now put Parentally Challenged, which uh, premiered on Amazon Prime – I just moved that over to YouTube. That's my 2017 special. I moved that over to YouTube too. Just threw it in there. But my social media people said, hey, at about the eight minute mark, mm. we want you to cut in and be like, hey, thanks for oh, watching. Yeah. If you like this, please subscribe because you're not asking, you haven't been asking for subscribers at all. That's why, so my over 670,000 views on my On the Bright Side, but I it hasn't translated to only a few thousand subscribers. So I'm blowing, I think I have like 18,000 subscribers now, but the thing's got over 600,000. So people are liking it and sharing it and watching it, but they don't know to subscribe. You got to ask all these YouTube people and I'm, I'm, that's not my generation, right? So I hate asking. Right. All right, I'll do the thirty second, you know, commercial. Hey, and then get back to the special. It was interesting I, though, because I do, I did remember that from the special. Well, your, your cut in for the well, for the that subscribers. Was, so that was only on the parentally challenge. I didn't mm-hmm. do it on, on the bright right. side, yeah. right? right? So my so my people are like, let's put this one. But just today, someone writes, "You lost me at the intermission." Like. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, geez. yeah. So I'm, I'm in my head, I'm like, do I type back, I'm so sorry that you, <laughs> I just lost that point zero 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 one cent that I would have got from you watching this. I go, you know, this special that costs tens of thousands to produce that you had to sit through 30 seconds of something that's for free. You know, all these thoughts go into my head. You know, thanks for supporting the arts. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> right, but, right. but then yeah. I just, but then, then I settled down and I go, just ignore it. Just ignore it. I lost them. I lost them. But oh, and then go check out on the bright side. That one doesn't have an intermission in it. Maybe you'll <laughs> like that one. You know what I mean? But people are just horrible. We can't win either way. You can't win. They're at hidden all. behind that screen, so they everybody can type whatever has they want. a voice. It's. I'm not happy about where the world is. By the way, I mean it doesn't make me feel good. I don't know how many people out there have a warm, fuzzy feeling about where anything is going. <laughs> I don't feel good about. I'm. I don't know. That's why I make jokes, and that's why people come out to see me, though. Right, right. So I guess kind of escape, and that's, right? they an escape. Yeah. But even then, I could do a ninety-minute show. Someone will message me one thing I said they didn't agree <laughs> with, or they didn't this. It's it, the back and forth. Mm. It, you want to bang your head against a wall? Well, they're gonna <laughs> hide behind the hide behind the internet, right, and hide behind the computer. And, yeah, and I mean, sometimes you know, say. my year interview. I do a brand new year interview show every year, and nice. this year. I do four shows in Portsmouth, and this year I'm actually New Year's Eve. I'm taking it to Nashua because there's a new performance art center there. So yes. it'll be my first time there, and hopefully that'll be an annual thing where I bring it to Nashua every year. I use slides, um, and I and I go through the whole year. And uh, this last year, and people come every year. It's been 10 years in Portsmouth, and she's growing and growing and growing. And um, so I get this one email. I got one email out of 4,000 people who saw it through there. One email going, you know, I, I love your show and I'm a huge fan. But this year there was a little more lowbrow humor than I – blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, my audience, I have lowbrow fans. I have highbrow fans. Right. You're seeing 90 – everything's not for you. Everything is not for your, your – right. you know what I mean? So like I got to stay in this box when I'm doing all this stuff. A lot of it I it had never even said until that week. I don't even know if it's going to work. I'm throwing it out for the first time. Um, so it's – you can never make everybody happy, um, and that's something that I struggle with because I do it. All the – you know, the, the reviews from the, on the bright side are good, but all it takes is that one – once a month you get one troll or one person. That's, <laughs> and that's you know, what you focus and on. And then yeah. they want to be – yeah, and then they, I love when they want to get technical too about how something. There was one the other day. I can't think of what it was, but they were pretty much saying like something I said wasn't really accurate. And then, oh, the thing about the New Hampshire uh, marriage age. I do a joke about how yeah. New Hampshire oh, yeah. made mm-hmm. the legal age of marriage sixteen, and then they they raised it to sixteen. And they're like, "This is all lies." I had to take the article of Sununu signing the the bill, <laughs> oh my God. like and put it in the feed and go look. Oh, all right. Well, I thought it, you know what I mean. It's just like everybody's got to think I'm lying or just, right. You know, right. Why do I have stuff. to prove a joke? First yeah. of all, it's a joke. It's entertainment. You know, if you're not entertained, don't be entertained. Don't watch me. Do you feel that? In the age we're in, it's harder to to be as creative as you might want to be. Or, you know, there's a lot of comedians have talked about and, and, and other people about cancel, cancel culture. And 
what one person perceives as a funny joke, someone else gets offended by. And am I responsible for your offense? You know? Um, And then the fact that we're so dependent now on social media for anything that we do um, and that you're going to get that feedback, whether it is deserved or not, whether someone's an expert or not, what does that do for you as someone that's constantly in creative mode? You just have to be aware, you know, and, um, when I say be aware, I won't, it doesn't mean I'm staying away from topics, but I'm just careful about how I handle the topic. Okay. I have to talk about what's going on in the world to right. stay relevant. Right. So another example, and I'm, I'm just quoting these examples as they're popping into my head. Um, I do the, the, I have a thing about pronouns. It's like, you know, what would happen? You got two boys. What if someone's, what if they wanted to change their pronoun? Be they instead of he. And I go, I'm perfectly fine with that as long as they shovel and they mow the lawn and they do stuff, you know, more more power to them, right? That's a pro pronoun joke, you know? And I even say, I can't get canceled for that. And I, you know, so, but my point is, is nothing comes from hate. I'm Mm. not, uh, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not going as far as some comedians when they want to make these statements that, you know, a whole group then gets fired up. And um, I try to walk that line, but at the same time, talk about um, what's going on. And, um, you know, look, I I was going to do a, uh, a high school. I did do a high school, rather. And I was just asking them about, I do a joke in my, this is my new special. I don't know if I should reveal the joke here because it's going to be in my new special. Mm. I have to think about Teaser. this. Yeah. Stay tuned. Right. Exactly. Well, so basically I ask the uh, school if I can do this thing about uh, the, the, the mascot was, uh, if I say that, then you're going to know the school. <laughs> <laughs> How do I do oh, this? Okay. Oh, Let's say the mascot was a, uh, either a wildcat or a bobcat or uh, a, some sort a cat. of cat. So, right, so, so I yeah. said, I thought I saw your mascot the other day, but it turned out it was just some kid dressed up as a cat, right? Thinking they're a cat, right? <laughs> to touch on the, the yes. furry thing. Yes. Okay? <laughs> so I said, look, if my kid, you know, if my kid uh, comes up and goes, dad, I'm a cat. I'm like, okay, buddy, you're an outdoor cat. You know, <laughs> let me know when you want to come in, right? <laughs> So I bounce this oh off the school, and I, two days before the gig, and I get the okay. Oh yeah, you can do that. But then the next day, I get a text. Oh, uh, oh. Mm-hmm. Somebody, somebody slept on it. Scratch it. Yeah. No, it was no. They didn't even sleep on it. Oh. Somebody had come in and filed. They were, uh, you know, they they had then um, threatened violence because they were made they were bullied or made fun of because they're a cat. So. <laughs> Can you imagine? So this is the world we live in where, so I almost went on a rant last, my last show at the Palace Theater when I got into that bit about how, like, when's the ball going to stop? Like, where do we draw that Mm -hmm. line? Mm -hmm. Like now as a parent, I got to worry about if you, if you want to do that, that is fine. Mm -hmm. I don't hate you. I'm not thinking negative about you. But I might make a joke, or Mm -hmm. someone might make a joke because it's kind of funny. It's it's out there. It's kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and if you don't think a 13, 14, but now as a parent, you got a kid's going to make fun of you, you know? And so I almost went on this rant, um, you know, and I held back. And I I obviously can't put it on here because if I held back at the palace, last thing I wanted is on here. (laughs) But I almost went off on a rant there and I, I bit my tongue. But I'm not saying it's not coming at my live show. But um, but uh, but just that's it. It's just you know it's it's always changing and it's always getting weird and it, it's where it's crazy because you know I don't have a mean bone. I mean right. I'm up there making fun of my my wife, my kids, my <laughs> people you my have to see every day, father. <laughs> Yeah, people that I love the most. Yeah. So if I'm making fun of you, you just I think of it. I love you. Yeah, there you go. You know, whatever there you got to go. do. So, um, but yeah, it's it and it is real. Cancel culture is real. And that if some if I did a joke, especially if I was to do a corporate job or you know work for a, a private um, a private show, if somebody had heard me say something and then they went to the company and said, "Hey, you know, he did a joke about this," I wouldn't be comfortable with him coming here. And I wouldn't get the gig. And it would literally cost me money. You know, that's just on that level. So it's real. I got to navigate it. But I, you know, I've got my fan base and I, I want to please them. They're coming to the paid shows and, you know, 
I have joked to my wife that if we were sitting on $5 million, I go, I might just say, screw it. I'm just going all, I'm saying everything I want to say. Oh my God. You know what I mean? I can't and it, wait. And it's still, I mean, it's coming. Cancel me, I'm Once good. my kids are, I told my kids, I go, you better get a scholarship, buddy, because I'm going to have no money to help you go to college. Daddy's going off, off the cliff. It's going off. Yeah, but believe me, I'm about ready to snap. Yeah. But not today. No, please. Thank okay, you. No, no, no snapping here <laughs> yeah. at BizCast. Yeah. I have a, um, a kind of uh, logistics question for you because I ask a lot of those anyways. But um, you talked a little bit about you know the, the process of writing and where that comes from and all that, but, and then practicing some of those bits at the you know, open mics and whatnot. But um, when you have like the year in review show that's all new content and all this new content, are you like literally in front of a mirror? How do you like, do you practice at home? Do you have a space that you've sort of set up for yourself or, or is it, you know, I, I can't really, imagine like yeah. having all of this, this, these bits and all of this information and like getting it out there. And so are you practicing that a lot or is it just coming naturally because that's the way you are? Well, I definitely don't do the mirror thing because yeah. I don't need to see myself. Well, I was going to say, like, I know what I it's look an like. Odd, yeah, it's an odd thing. To, <laughs> but yeah. I do run it through my head mm -hmm. sometimes. Like, mm -hmm. I think about it, even going to the thing. How does this one go? I'm in the shower. You know, how does this go? This this goes this way. This goes that way. Um, so I do run it. I try to run it yeah. at least before um, I put it up for the first time. So when I was just last at the palace, um, I, uh, you know, I've got stuff that is you know i've done once that i'm mm. doing i've got stuff i've done a few times that's part of it stuff most of it's all this year and so you feel from january on as i'm getting ready for this year in review i kind of work on it all year yeah, right, but right. then there was a chunk um there was like a 10 minute chunk that i had never said before in front of an audience at all so i just put stick that in there in the middle somewhere and i just kind of riff on it and see kind of where it goes and mm -hmm. see what comes out and then you know it, just to get it on its feet um, but before I did it, I thought about, you know, I wrote it down in my little thing. All right, here's a punchline here. Here's a punchline there. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's just a process. Um, that's, uh, and I enjoy it. And when you do, and, and I think comedians will tell you this, you know, when you get a new joke and you get something that works, that's like what you kind of, that's like your high. That's like what keeps you going. That's what you, you know, you're in search for is finding those things that work, you know? Cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So much of your comedy, as we talked about, is so personal, you know, and um, I have a teenager who's mortified by my very existence and doesn't even, you know, sometimes want to acknowledge us in public, never mind have us speak about him in front of, you know, hundreds and thousands of mm -hmm. people. Um, how does your family react and deal with the fact that there's so much part of your act? And have they ever turned to you after something's happened and go, no. <laughs> this is not for for that. I kind of know. I'm pretty good at knowing the line, yeah, um, of what not to draw, like wh what not to cross, the line not to cross. Um, especially when it comes to my wife, um, there's certain things I'll never say and I won't do out of respect. And I and I kind of because a lot of my fans are female, and I believe that they can see that I'm making fun of her, but I don't disrespect her and I don't right. hate her so it's that you know what I mean it's like a, I, I, it's amazing to me the women that the fans that I hear from that are just you know just are such big fans and even though I really get on my <laughs> wife a lot right um, but um, and with the kids you know it's a little more delicate right because they're kids so I've got to be even more careful but so it's a it's a, it's a you know I kind of have to balance who they are individually, who they are, what I think they can handle, what I can say. And, you know, a perfect example, I did a, a video on my social media when my kid was driving for the first time. And I don't know if you saw that video. Did you see the video of me driving the first day? It's a no. big day. So I'll have to, I'll, I'll share it with you after. But I just, so I'm just like, hey, it's a big day today. My kid's getting behind a wheel for the first time. As a parent, I think it's very important that you uh, let them know they can do it. You've got to give them confidence. Let them know that they can do this. I go, All right. And then we cut to the car. And I go, all right, you ready, buddy? And it's on. I go, put it in park. And he's like this. And then it cuts to me, and I'm wearing a hockey helmet and a and a <laughs> and a pillow strapped to my chest. And I'm like, all right. And then it shows the car going with the hazards on. We're just gonna stay on the cul-de-sac for the first couple of days, and we're kind of going around, okay? So he was fine. You know, I did that. You know, that was something that. So anyway, but he was like, oh, what is it like when your dad's a comedian? We'll cut to now he's in driver's ed. They show up one day. They had seen the video. So the instructor and the other kid that's driving that day are both wearing helmets and oh they're wearing gosh. the pillows. Oh so goodness. so that's great. But he laughed it off. He thought it was funny. So he's got a very good uh, personality. 
My yeah. oldest does for that. And even my, you know, my youngest so far, like I said, but if they come up and they're like, dad, you can't, I mean, I, well, great story. Uh, when I did my, on the bright side special, it was 60 minutes long. I had to cut it down to 57 minutes. It's three minutes shorter in the final hour because a joke, one of my favorite jokes in the whole special is about my kid playing soccer but it just so happened the timing, the first game, his first game was Tuesday. Uh, he didn't get in that game. He's the only one. It's, long story short, I had to pull the joke in the final hour. I had to like go. So all, but it was like, what was, I had to choose between my comedy and my f- kid. Yep. And I chose the kid, even though it, I think it'll be on my next special, this bit. But it was just the timing was wrong. If it was a two weeks later, it might have been fine. Right. But it was just the way things are happening and the way, and I don't want to explain it now because I'll give it all away. But, um, but uh, yeah, so I had to pull that out. So it was like, I don't want to, you know, scar him, have kids make fun or anything. So, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a constant battle, you know. Comedy, to make a career of it all, it, it's just to me, unimaginably hard. I mean, it's a constant creative process. You're constantly in front of people being judged as to, you know, whether they're going to laugh or not. Um, To be able to sustain a career that you have and to make the choices to prioritize family over, you know, the the choices to make to have, uh, you know, a a career path that you could have had. Um, But still, having a really successful career is amazing what has sustained you through it? What got you through the early days of even launching a career that so many com- would-be comedians just crash and burn and, 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 and decide this, this obviously isn't for me, that you were able to, to, to move forward to continuing a career out of New Hampshire um, and, and still being able to pack a house? I mean, I think it goes right back to... Um I think it's in my blood and it's what I do and it's what I should probably be doing, right? I mean, my mind, I will say sometimes like, uh, thank you, brain. Like sometimes I'm, I'm, I really take care of my, my, my mind yep. because I realize that it, the way it thinks and comes up with stuff and it's, I'm aware that it's a talent that I have. So I, it's just, there's nothing else I, it's like that, uh, I think that's a country song about people ask, what would you be doing if you weren't doing this? And it's and something about he'd be doing this. You know, he'd be doing what he's doing. Like, you know what I mean? Just because, so I think, um, I think it's just the fact of, and then having to make a living, you know, I got to pay, what else am I going to do? Like, what what's my other option? You know, uh, I mean, go back into law enforcement. I go, not a good time to do that. It's funny, my old boss called me like two years ago. He goes, hey, you want your old job back? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I go, nah, I'm all set. He goes, really? I go, I go, yeah, you serious? He goes, yeah. And I go, well, I go, I'm 50 now. I go, I got a slip disc in my back. I'd lost my sense of smell, like before COVID. Seven years, I didn't have my sense of smell. I got a frozen shoulder. He goes, we'll take you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so anyway, it's just, it's just, it's just, I love doing it. Um, I don't like when I have to leave my family for a long time. You know, I stopped doing cruise ships in Vegas. Um, I was doing that in the mid 2000s. I would go and do that. And I just didn't want to be gone for seven days. I had a thing where I didn't want to miss trash day because I take out the trash. <laughs> like if I could, the, the few, and it's on Tuesday, which yep. is perfect. Yeah. So if I could just be home every Tuesday, um, that was kind of my goal. Did you take Thanks. out the trash I, this morning? It's Tuesday. It's funny you say that, uh, Nathan. It's a it's kind of a tough. Thank uh, you, Justin. It's a it's kind of a sore spot because I didn't plan right. I was out of town trash bags, oh. so I had to go get them. And as I'm pulling down the street, the truck was leaving, oh, so no. I missed it. And my wife's like, "You probably should have done it last night." So <laughs> I got I got a, I got a little talking to. I told you last night you should have done it. So. Um, it was a tough spot. By the way, I did I'm a joke. I'm sorry to bring that up. A joke in my year interview one year I did was about the trash bags, how to save money. Um, let's see if I can remember that joke. Um, I would say, uh, yeah, so the t- do you live in a town where they got to buy the bags for them to pick up the trash? No, thank you. No. I live in Rochester. We are the, the state's trash bin. So oh, we, we get it free. It, you throw it right out the window. Yeah, basically. And they just pick it up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> my brother's in Rochester, too, <laughs> okay. by the way. I got to buy it. East Rochester. That's where yeah. I am. Oh, Ooh, there you go. Right, right, right on the border of Lebanon. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of building a wall. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but that, um, 
Oh, but in my town, everyone's fired up because these bags are so expensive. So yeah. I say, uh, as a way to save on bags, I go, now we stop buying trash bags. Now, whatever trash we have in the morning, we just take it down to the er, the Circle K and throw it in their pumps. Hey, yeah. You know, so we're down to like, you know, 250 a gallon or something. We just do that. And then... Uh, and then, oh, yeah, I so said, just get rid of your trash. I go, kids go to school. I'm stuffing stuff in their backpack. You know what I mean? Get Throw that out at the first dumpster. So trying to get rid of the trash was a whole whole thing. He's like, what's that smell, Dad? I'm like, it's a rotisserie chicken. Just get rid of it. You know? pull, don't forget to pull the it The bank drive through that tube. Oh. Stuff stuff right in that tube. You know, you can go. you deposit this for me? You know, there's a whole thing I was doing about trash. You just made me think of it. But oh, man. That was when the gas prices first went up uh-huh. to like four bucks an hour. But you guys get to... Get free trash. By the way, I got a little bag. I'm gonna leave here when I. That's leave. fine. That's fine. Sure. We'll yeah. take care. I totally understood. Mike, I'll take it home. It's not a problem. Thing. Yeah, understood. Understood. Oh man. Um, well, I mean, I hate to say this, but we are coming up on a point where we may have to like start to think about wrapping it up. Yeah. And um, getting a little emotional, but that's okay. It's sad. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is because there's only one 100th episode. Hey, I know, before we wrap, uh, maybe I'll do um, your 200. Let's see. Okay. All right. All right. There it is. There it is. We'll uh, we'll book you in now. You know, for <laughs> how well, how many how how many do you do a month or how a year? Oh, it's, it's weekly. So this has been about two almost two years. Two years. Yeah. Oh, so, so we're talking another two years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, let's yeah, regroup in, in two years. See where we're all at. <laughs> well, you know, who knows? See if I've quit and I'm I don't know. Sitting home, on homeless. sitting on the five mil. If I just somewhere. lost it, no, I no, I, I snapped. I just went said you what don't. I wanted to say and I'm completely canceled. <laughs> I love you guys it. can't even have me on. <laughs> right? Imagine if that happens. Sorry. Uh, the advisory uh, warning. We got a lot episode. of complaints. You will have, <laughs> that that will have taken a lot for us to go. You can't come. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Because we've had a lot of I'm people in. on. All right, <laughs> so listen, um, what is so you've got? Uh, I think what uh, November twenty fifth. You're at the Flying Monkey. Yeah, your two annual shows. show, right? I do that every Thanksgiving. Nice. Um, the Flying Monkey. So there's two shows: Thanksgiving weekend for people up in the Plymouth area. Yeah. Um, and then uh, end of the year Portsmouth, the music hall. Three shows right now. We're probably get, might have a fourth on sale by the time this airs because usually start with three we add one um and then uh i'm bringing it to nashua on new year's eve love that i have no clue what i will draw or who will come out to nashua on new year's eve okay um so we'll see about that one and then i tell everybody check out the specials that are on my youtube channel if you like them and you come see me you won't be you, i might mix in an, a joke or two from those you know someone will yep. yell out a bit i might do it or if it makes me think of something i might do, throw it in there um, this happened last time at the palace. I did one joke from Parentally Challenged because somehow we got talking about someone who didn't have kids. And I go, that's all right, you don't have kids. And I, it made me think of a bit about people that don't have kids. So it's like, you know, so it's just a, uh, yeah, it's, I hope I uh, get some fans out of this. That's why I did it. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you guys got to help me out here. You know? Well, we'll, well do we our are best. fans. Yeah. We'll do our Thank best. you for the laughs. Yeah. Please come up and say, I, I found out about you yeah, on right. the New Hampshire BizCast that's right. uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. That'll make me feel good. Some data. Behind all of this, right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, um, Justin McKinney is obviously Justin McKinney. We don't need to say more than that. You can find him at justinmckinney.com, too, and you're going to have to maybe figure out how to spell that because there's an O in there. Is that right? Um, but justinmckinney.com, you've got a lot of great upcoming shows uh, to, to ring in the, the end of the year here. Thank you so much for being with us for number 100. It's been a blast. Thank you. I appreciate it. I hope I didn't get too serious in moments there. This I never know. This was an incredible you know, interview. Yeah. Thank you for sharing everything you did. And everyone, go check them out, not only on YouTube. Subscribe, people. Yeah. Yes. It's only Come three on. clicks, right, Justin? If you've got to sit to the... I, I don't even know if it's three. I don't know how many it is, but Maybe it's, it's, it's not it much. It might just be one. I think yeah. just hit that button. Just you're good to go. But them. you know what's weird with YouTube, I think, is um, if you're on your TV, like yeah. the smart TV now, I don't know how you can... I don't think click. you can click on the TV. Thing? I don't know how that works. So if you're watching on the TV now, you know, that's why, too, a lot of people don't subscribe. They're, if they're on their... T- most people are watching comedy on the big TV, right. I yeah. believe. Mm. Right. Um, so that's a thing, too. But I got 18,000. Look, I got hundred almost 150,000 on Facebook. Okay. Uh, Respectable. Instagram is where I need more followers uh, because you speak. You just talk about my name being with an O. Yeah. Instagram's search algorithm isn't as good as Facebook. Facebook, if you put in Justin with an I, you'll find my page. So mm. that's why I've got one hundred fifty thousand. Instagram at like eleven thousand, eleven point five thousand. If you put in Justin with an I, I wouldn't come up. I won't come up. 
So you have to spell my name right. So if you see me and you Whoa. hear Justin McKenney, you put it in there. Oh, he must not have Instagram. So that's just been a, a, a curse, having my name spelt with an O my whole life. It's still affected me now. So if I can, uh, it, yeah, it, it's, it'd be like BizCast with mm-hmm. an O. Right? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't Biz- that annoy you? Right. How, how many f- downloads would you get? If, hey, follow us on BizCat and you don't tell anyone it's got an O, it's just, it, it, they think it's an I. I thought it was an I. No, we, we spell biz with an O here. It's like Justin McKinney, the comedian. So, so our listeners know it is J-U-S-T-O-N, which by the way, yeah. my kid had an ear infection. I had to take him to Portsmouth Hospital and I give him my name, Justin McKinney, uh, J-U-S-T-O-N, and they're like, oh, like the comedian. <laughs> Just like and I'm comedian. like, yeah, exactly. I go, that's me. No way. Couldn't believe it was me. I love it. I love it. Well, we are honored that you joined us we today. Are. Thank right. you so well, much. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you Mike. Much. Behind the glass. Yeah, behind the glass. Thanks, Justin. Thanks again. And happy 100th, everybody. That, that is his name, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group.